You're listening to Lozano Smith's podcast, where we discuss important changes in the law and legal decisions that affect public agencies. Hi, this is Manuel Martinez. This is the Lozano Smith podcast. Welcome. Glad that you can join us. And with me today is Jessica. Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Mejorado, and I'm an attorney in the Fresno office. And I work in the Walnut Creek office. We're going to be talking today regarding the California Public Records Act, and we're going to have a lot of ground to cover, so we're going to jump right into it. As most of you already know, California has a very generous Public Records Act that allows members of the public to access written documents that are produced by the government. The golden rule is if it's written down, it's available to the public upon demand or within reasonable amount of time. Today we're going to talk about this greater battle that's been going on since the inception of the California Public Records Act. It's the battle of privacy versus the public's right to access public records. And more specifically, we're going to be addressing kind of the collateral outcomes of that battle. And most uh, directly, it's going to be the costs, the monetary impact on all of you uh, to fulfill our obligations under the law to provide the public with these documents. Um, So let's begin. Overall, the California Public Records Act kind of takes this concept of saying, hey, when somebody walks in through the door, they should be able to request a document saying to the public agency, may I see, for instance, the deed to City Hall? And back in the old days, that was a very one-dimensional request. The deed would be produced, somebody would take a look at it, they'd be satisfied with whatever they were looking for, and they'd walk away. Fast forward about 40 years, and now we have a much more complicated landscape complicated by the fact that we now have technology, complicated by the fact that information has proliferated and gets recorded in every way, shape, or form. Um, Some of the driving factors of what makes a public records request so expensive are essentially three different things. The cost to search for a document, the cost to review and redact a document, and the cost to withhold a document. And some of those subsets, like for instance, within searching for documents, you have situations where you're asking yourself perhaps, how do I search for a document? What technology is implicated by looking for these documents? What do I look for? Who do I ask? Where do I look? All of those questions may have an associated cost, which is not budgeted for. We normally see clients receiving these Public Records Act requests, but you don't really know how many are going to come in from a year-to-year basis. Some years, you know, there's a lot. Other years, there's a lot, a lot. <laughs> I don't think that I've ever seen a situation where it's been kind of, you know, low impact. The, the trend is moving more towards disclosure and the request from the public for these records in all sorts of forms, all kinds of variety. And not just because they're curious, not like the old days when you had an individual wanting to see the deed to City Hall. It's now, frankly, a weapon. 
in many cases. It's a weapon where somebody wants to come in and say, I'd like to see these documents because I would like to sue you. And I'd like to get information that helps better my case, that helps uh, formulate my complaints and sort of serves as sort of, as a poor man's version of what we call discovery in the context of litigation. Another driving factor in terms of the review of the documents, once you're successful in kind of getting your arms around what documents are in play, is the cost associated with staff to review these documents, lawyers to review the higher, more complicated documents, and then, of course, the cost associated with withholding the documents, which is really going to be more of the focus of today's conversation, is what happens when you get it wrong? What happens when you've withheld too much? Going back to what we said before, the, the clash of the titans, the larger battle at issue, which is the desire to maintain the privacy of either individuals or the confidentiality as required by law and the public's right to know. How, when you get that wrong, how much is it going to cost? Well, I got bad news. It's going to potentially cost thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands, depending on the, on the litigation, depending on the attorney's fees that get awarded. And as of this year, there's been a new tool added to the toolbox of the requester. They now can seek attorney's fees not only from the government agencies, but they can also seek attorney's fees from what we call the impacted parties, the real parties and in interests, perhaps even the employee who's trying to protect his records. In one case, the union who was trying to protect records on behalf of the union. There are new tools available that have been recognized by the courts to say when a government is too zealous, too protective of the public's records, in that situation, you pay a lot of money. And I think, Manuel, if I can just jump in here, that was beautifully said. Um, when government agencies get too zealous, there's also a reverse problem. When the California Public Records Act actually provides for exemptions, they could get it wrong in the other way as well. And so whether you withhold too much or too little can be a really big question and cannot be easily dealt with in some instances. You're right. I mean... So we, as representing government agencies, see our clients either getting threatened by the folks who are asking for the documents or, on the other hand, getting threatened by the folks whose documents are in play. That's right. Now, recently, kind of focusing mostly on the tools that are in the toolbox of the requester for um, what happens when they... Uh, are correct that we or our government agency friends have withheld too much, how do they get access to those attorney's fees? Well, in one case, particularly uh, the Pasadena Police Association versus City of Pasadena, in that particular case, you had a city who was aligned with the union and aligned with the police officers against the newspaper newspaper wanted to get information regarding police misconduct or alleged police misconduct. In that case, the city said, we're going to withhold these documents. The union supported that decision. And the individual police officers in their own capacity tried to prevent the disclosure of information. Long story short, those three characters lost. 
And the court said, city, you're going to pay attorney's fees of the newspaper under the provisions of the Public Records Act. Union and police officers, you too get to share in some of the pain and pay those fees, but not necessarily under the schematic of the Public Records Act. You're going to pay under the schematic of the PAGA statutes, which is the Private Attorney General Action Statutes, which allows a victorious party in litigation to recover attorney's fees because some public interest was being threatened or thwarted by someone else. So for really one of the first times ever, the court started to recognize that folks who, like the police officers in the union, who in the past were getting a free bite at the apple, a free opportunity to try to protect that information, they no longer can do that. That echoed some of the sentiments of a case decided earlier in 2018, National Conference of Black Mayors versus Chico. Uh, in that particular case, the city of Sacramento stayed neutral. Actually, I, I take that back. Maybe neutral is too strong of a, of a phrase. They said that they were going to disclose the records requested by a newspaper. However, the mayor of Sacramento in his own individual capacity and the National Conference of Black Mayors, which is a private organization, they didn't want the city to disclose certain records because they felt that it was that they was confidential. In that case, the mayor, as in his own individual capacity, lost the National Conference of Black Mayors. They lost. Those two characters had to pay the attorney's fees of the newspaper. The city got off scot-free because they didn't oppose. So there you saw a strategic or litigation advantage by the city to, to posture themselves in a way that avoided the attorney's fees. And that is a, a, a cost-saving measure that is critical to decide from the upfront so that way when government agencies receive a public records act, they can strategize as to, from, from an economic standpoint, what is the posture that they see um, is, is the best to take because frankly, under the public records acts, most of the exemptions that can be assertive are permissive. You don't have to assert them. You could. There are there are a handful that you're required to assert, that you're required to assert. One that comes to mind are student records. It's non-discretionary. You have to uh, protect student records uh, because that's what the federal law says that you have to do. So in that instance, Manuel, actually not being aware of what these exemptions are and when you have to take them and when you don't have to take them can be really costly. Absolutely. Not, and, and <laughs> I hate to say it, but there's really no list that kind of captures all of the exemptions. There's a couple of lists within the government code that capture some of the exemptions. I'll put it to you this way. There are three ways that a public agency can withhold or redact a piece of information. The first is that there is a specific statute within the Public Records Act that says you as a public agency can withhold a record. If you can point to that and you're right, then it's likely that a court won't require you to pay attorney's fees. If you can point to the balancing test, which is frankly one of the weakest of all the exemptions, right, where a court says, look, if you think that it's 
in the public's interest to withhold the record, and that overwhelms the public's interest in the disclosure of the record, then you are allowed to withhold the record. But I caution the use of that because you don't really know whether or not that is that your application of that balancing test is correct until you're in front of a judge. And by that time, you're rolling the dice on whether or not you're going to be hit with the attorney's fees. Right. And last but not least, the third reason for why you can withhold a record is that there is some other state or federal law that you can point to, such as FERPA, such as the evidence code, such as some other law embedded in some other case, you can then assert that privilege to withhold a document. And again, if you're right, you get to avoid the attorney's fees. Now, one thing that I think is also worth mentioning that even though it has happened a while ago, but a lot of folks haven't gotten the message yet, which is Prop 42, which was passed in 2014. Before 2014, it was an open question as to who was supposed to pay for just processing all of these requests. Was it going to be the state? Was it going to be the local government agencies? In 2014, it was put to the voters to add to answer that question. And the question was decided, no, the local agencies are going to carry the cost. They're going to absorb the cost, which bad news for our local government folks. Again, we don't budget necessarily. We don't know how to anticipate how many of these we're going to get, how large they're going to be, how costly they're going to be. And while I can't come up with any slam dunk approach, that avoids the cost of, of handling a Public Records Act request, I think that it is worth mentioning that it is absolutely critical to be thoughtful, strategic, and err on the side of disclosure for the sake of avoiding the potential attorney fees if you're wrong. And as of 2017, those attorney fees, you don't get to avoid them simply because you're able to settle a case once it's filed. Under the catalyst theory, which was articulated in the Suckamar versus City of San Diego case in 2017, the court basically repeated the rule that once litigation is initiated and then a production of documents follows, that we all are big boys and girls. We know that that litigation really prompted the disclosure of these documents. We're going to treat that as a victory for the requesting party as well. And in that situation... The city kept swearing, you know, up and down to the judge. No, 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 Your Honor, we turned over the documents. We turned over the documents as soon as depositions were taken and, and litigation was initiated. All of a sudden, a, a few hundred pages of documents were mysteriously found and, you know, cats out of the bag. And now attorney fees came crushing down on the city. And um, it was expensive. Another thing that I think is is worth mentioning is that there's a little bit of a difference in how the Public Record Act, in terms of the obligations, are treated for our municipal uh, friends, kind of cities and counties, versus our school district friends. Our municipalities, under the 2015 uh, statutory uh, adoption, there you have municipalities are required to migrate a tremendous amount of documents onto their online webpage. I think that's sort of water under the bridge for our municipality friends, they've known that and, and have frankly have lived with the costs associated with migrating those documents up to their webpage. What's 
a now kind of a curiosity is whether or not is that going is that obligation going to trickle down to other folks like our school district friends we haven't seen any pending litigation on that yet we know that the folks behind that have always kind of or at least there's been an open debate as to whether or not that that should be um something for uh a, a future consideration and it wouldn't surprise me that big data would want our friends um everywhere all local government agencies to eventually have to migrate their data onto the website, which is going to be a cost because, you know, it's another, you know, distraction from their mission of educating children to making sure that all of this information is, is accessible onto a website. And then you also have other considerations regarding accessibility, language, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I always found interesting, Manuels, now that you're talking about technology and how municipalities are having to bring their information onto, onto the websites and technology that they do have, is how much technology is actually costing these municipalities and school districts money. I mean, in the city of San Jose versus Smith, it, the court held that the individuals who are using their personal accounts can be subject to the to the Public Records Act and have to turn over any documents that were created in their personal accounts that were handling city business. Yeah, and and that's actually a, a great point because there's there's a danger there for public entities um, who get these kinds of requests, and I think every request imp- implicates potentially the private devices and private accounts of, of the employees, there's an open question as to whether or not most of these, of these employees who are represented by labor unions, when are they looking at, when are they searching their devices, when are they searching their, their accounts uh, for these public records? Are they doing it on, on work time? Mm. Are they doing it on their time? Um, that's a, that's a, very tricky question that, you know, probably hasn't come to full head of steam yet in terms of, of, of having a, a, a conflict that has really gone forward in, in the variety of paths that it can go. It could, it could manifest itself as a, as a labor and employment issue, it can manifest itself um, through the courts as a Public Records Act issue. Um, but the Smith case, while it was a seminal decision settling the question for all time that yes, the Public Records Act can reach into your private device, it can reach into your private accounts. It doesn't necessarily say how the government reaches into those devices or accounts. It doesn't explain or reconcile the Fourth Amendment prohibition against search and seizure. It doesn't reconcile what do we do should somebody refuse and whether or not discipline is going to be instituted. All of this is ripe for pending litigation. Pending litigation is a fancy word for saying it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of money. Somebody's going to be made an example and let the games begin. It really it really is one of those things where we think that, that San Jose is going to perhaps spawn a variety uh, of litigation branches as they splinter out into the future regarding many of these unanswered questions that to a large extent implicate someone's privacy but to also another extent implicate cost 
right? Folks are going to be uh, a lot more willing to litigate these large Public Act Records Act requests uh, where there's ambiguity about how to proceed when the costs get magnified. And it's just one of those things where, where a public agency is going to say, look, time and time and time and time again, I'm going to be forced to hemorrhage money in this way. Um, I'd like some clarity. I'd like some clarity from a court. Now, obviously, from the perspective of requesters, they're going to say, well, that's the public's money, right? But if, if, if you've ever balanced a budget, if you've ever had to live with one of these Public Records Act requests, it really can impact whether or not public employees are, are if there's money left over for raises, if there's money left over to mitigate layoffs, if there's money, you know, to deal with equipment, you know, every dollar going one way is a dollar not going in another way. And that's just a, a practical reality of math. And it's, and it's a tough, tough situation to be in. Um, so, I mean, I hope that while we raise a lot of questions, you know, it, and I hope that we've provided some of these answers, um, one of the biggest takeaways that I think that, that we would like you all to walk away from today's discussion is to not take these requests lightly. Please, you know, understand the, the lay of the land of what your request is because the ounce of prevention is really going to save the pound of cure. Sometimes it's worth giving that extra level of review and measuring twice to avoid having to, to cut more than once on the back end where you're going to end up suffering hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost um, attorney's fees. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was in the 2018 Pasadena case where the newspaper was able to extract five more pages, simply five more pages um, through the course of litigation or five pages worth of information in litigation and was able to score attorney's fees for such little amount. So, I mean, the, the stakes are really high on getting it right. Um, so we thank you for tuning in to Lozano Smith's podcast. We encourage you to visit our podcast page at lozanosmith.com forward slash podcast to find links and additional details on some of the topics that we discussed today. Also, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any other episodes because you will see that they're chock full of information. So on behalf of myself and Jessica, thank you very, very much for uh, tuning in. Thank you. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. If you have any questions about this topic, please contact the hosts of this episode or an attorney at any one of our eight offices throughout California. For details on how to get a hold of us, visit our podcast page at lozanosmith.com slash podcast.